buddies up, kangaroo chasers. And this week, Big T caught up with Rob Ashton from the Bedford Tigers. And wow, if you want a blueprint to grow rugby league, keep your ears peeled because this one's a beauty. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 104 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. Guys, welcome back to the pod. Now, here it is, right? I've benched Big T again. We've benched him again this week, unfortunately, but he'll be coming off the bench uh, later on for an interview with Rob Ashton from the Bedford Tigers. Many of you will remember him from the first call-in show that we did, not not episode 100, the one we did before that. Uh, Rob is uh, one of the, I guess he's the director of football for the Bedford Tigers, but um, the story is absolutely incredible. Um he, he retells the time that, I guess, when he first started at the club and it was him and three other guys uh, having beers at a pub, deciding whether or not they should continue with the club or let it die. And from there, things have exploded. They've had a lot of success. They're in the Southern Conference. They've built a 20-team uh, Eastern competition. They've got wheelchair. They've got, they're getting women's happening. There's so much going on. Uh, incredible to- tale great story and some great ideas for anyone that's that's out there trying to establish a club or involved with a club anywhere around the world some great ideas in this one and some great inspiration as well and if you're not then it's a great listen fantastic chat rob's excellent big t's excellent so great to have him coming off the bench the super sub today big t um and the reason why big t's coming off the bench why he's not joining me again for golden points this week well a he's interviewing someone else from welsh wheelchair rugby league so that's going to be exciting, and you can expect that in a few weeks' time. Um, but also, I'm going to have Daniel Godinez uh, joining me for Golden Point shortly. He's the chairman of the El Salvador Rugby League Australian Steering Committee, uh, and he's also involved in Latino Heat. I'm going to talk a bit about um, the Brazil game la- last uh, yesterday now at time of recording, but we're also going to talk about the El Salvador-Peru game next week, so that's why I've got him here for Golden Points. But the reason he's not here with me yet is... There's a little golden point that I need to go through with you guys first, um, which I'm not allowed to talk to anyone about right now at time of recording. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a weird one, I know. I'm sorry, it's weird. But uh, sometimes rugby league is just a little bit weird. Now, uh, this piece of news at the time of recording, so it's Monday night, uh, Aussie time, um, it is embargoed news um, and it will be released by the time this episode is, is released. I just can't talk to anyone about it yet, so I'm going to talk to myself about it, and you guys will hear it once it's actual news. But you may have heard anyone that's on Twitter or on social media, you will have seen the CCCRL. You would have seen a bunch of videos of people, including myself a few weeks ago, uh, saying, it's coming, it's coming. And everyone's asking, like, what is coming? What is it? I've been asked a lot. Well, 
it is now common knowledge, or it will be common knowledge by the time you're listening to this, the CCRL, or the CCCRL, I should say, stands for the Canada Cooperative Championship Rugby League. Canada Cooperative Championship Rugby League, it's a CCCRL. Um, the goal is, or they will, be reintroducing uh, rugby league to the North American market. It's going to be the world's first professional sports league to be owned by fans. Uh, they're planning for a short-form tournament to take place in Toronto during the summer of 2022 due to COVID. Um, and there'll be a full 12-team league competition to start in 2023. Six men's sides, six women's sides. Really exciting stuff. Professional rugby league back in Canada. Not one club, but six. I'm going to read a little bit of the press release, which, um, which will be out by the time you guys are listening to this. But it says... Uh, it is announced that Canada Cooperative Championship Rugby League, CCCRL, has been formed, establishing the first ever professional rugby league competition in Canada and represents the world's first cooperative-owned sports league. Now, the founding board of directors' plans have been accepted by the Canadian Rugby League, the CRL, effective immediately. So the founding board has also announced its tentative plan for a 2022 six-side competition that will be held in Toronto at Lamport Stadium. The initial offering has been planned for this summer. However, due to COVID-19, the championship tournament will now be set for 2022, showcasing six teams from Ontario, Quebec, British Columbia, Sichuan, and Alberta, men's and women's competition. Um, so exciting times. Uh, there's more there. You can read all about it. Uh, we'll try and get the founding director, Chris Coates, on the show in the next week or two to tell us more, more about it. So you've heard it, guys. It's coming. Well, it's here. Uh, and we can't wait to hear more about it. Really exciting time. Something very different for Rugby League. And um, great to see that despite the Wolfpack dramas over the last few months, that uh, Canada Rugby League still alive and kicking. And you know we love that, right? You know we love that. And you know who else loves that? Matt Hain Sport. <laughs> of course he does. He'll probably design jerseys for all of these guys, some concept jerseys. So matthainsport.com.au. Check him out, guys, if you want your, your team's logo design, jersey design, or kit produced. Let him know you're a kangaroo chaser as well for 10% off your kit production. So matthainsport.com.au. Thank you for the support, Matty. We love you. All right. Well, that's the first golden point out of the way. Now let's get Daniel Godinez from El Salvador Rugby League on the line to continue our golden points before we have a chat with Rob Ashton and Big T. Hello. How are you, man? Hey, how you doing, mate? Yeah, pretty good. You ready, ready to roll? Ready to rock and roll, mate. All right, Mr. Dan Godinez, welcome to Chasing Kangaroos, my friend. How are you? Yeah, good, Carbs. It's great to be on here, mate. Mate, awesome to have you on. Um, full disclosure, you and I sit on the El Salvador Rugby League Australian Steering Committee together, so we're going to sound a little bit biased when we start <laughs> talking about El Salvador versus Peru later on. But, man, good to have you on the show and good to have you um, getting into some golden points with me tonight before we get into our main interview. Nice. Pleasure, mate. Anything. Anything for you guys. Mate, let's get started with um, with yesterday's events. The time of recording, it's Monday night. Yesterday, of course, Sunday, out at Liverpool, we saw two great international rugby league matches. The first one you were involved in, uh, the Malta Squires versus the Latino Heat side, the Latin Heat side. Uh, man, awesome game. 12 all at half time. It was close. Great quality. Uh, Malta yeah. ran away with it at the end, thirty-six to sixteen. Uh, how do you, how do you think your boys went? Mate, I think I think the boys played with a lot of heart. I know the the end game score didn't reflect it, but 
truly what I saw going into the sheds at halftime was a team with their heads fully lifted. And this was a team that you have to keep in mind, Carbs. They haven't played together before. This team keeps changes because we keep having the juniors coming through and being picked up by the individual nations. So to see some of the guys come through with flying colours, guys like um, James McMullen uh, from Ecuador, and Daniel Byrne, who captained, he's from Argentina. Like they were standouts to me, and unfortunately Dan went off with an injury. Yeah. But um, like they looked, they led a really strong-hearted side, and I was, I was really proud of what those boys achieved under Freddie Ortega, the coach of the Latin EU side. Yeah, they did well, man. And Malta, you know, they've got some good experience together. That showed at the end. I think that experience together was the difference. It was also about sixty degrees, mate. It was so hot out there. So um, Malta were maybe a little bit more fit in the end, mate. But it was a, it was a cracking game. What about what about the main event, man? You stuck around for the main event. Brazil, absolute shellacking of Uruguay, Uro, uh, 60 yeah. points to nil. What do you think about that one? I had already felt for the Uruguay boys. They've been sticking it out for a few years now and uh, off the back of heavy losses to other nations as well. So, um, But to watch Brazil simply excel, um, day, game on game has been amazing. The key standout for me, Cubs, has um, obviously been two guys. Uh, Dylan Nunes. Yeah. Mate, he kicked eight goals yesterday. Some from the sideline. He's he's got a lot of talent, a lot of speed. Yeah. And uh, he's got a he's got a mean kicking game. And um the other one was Hater Flor. Um he scored two tries yesterday. Yeah. Big guy, strong runs. He runs really good lines, mate. It was really good to see him on the field. Yeah, they're both outstanding, man. Dylan scored three tries as well, the halfback. So he um he's well what's that? Eight sixteen, twenty, twenty four, twenty eight points out of the out of the sixty all from the half, so he excelled, and um, man, the forwards, you, you said it there, they're big boys, and I just love the swagger, man, like, we, we just need, like, world sport needs Brazil, no wonder so- soccer World Cups are so great, because these Brazilians, they got the swag, you, they, you could see them at the game, they're having fun, um, and, and they played some really good footy, um, a lot of the boys as well, there's been some comments online that, um, like, the normal comments you see after Rugby League Internationals in Sydney like this, oh, have these guys even been to Brazil? But what what we can point out is quite a few of them were actually born there and have only moved to Australia for the last few years. And some of the boys were, like, top-flight rugby union players in Brazil. They've come across to Australia. They've switched codes because, you know, they prefer rugby league. And mm-hmm. um, they, they've excelled, mate, and it's um, very exciting to watch in the future. Yeah, man. Some of these guys are pure athletes, right? So if you're a pure athlete, rugby league is naturally appealing just because of the speed of the game over rugby. So, yeah. One thing I found interesting, mate, I was talking to Rob Bergen this morning, uh, who's on his way back to to Brisbane, and um, he said in the, the Porto de Rugby, which is like a rugby uh, league and union um, sort of media uh, online media in Brazil, so there was more views about articles for this game over the weekend than there was about Super Rugby, Six Nations Rugby, or anything like that. So um, the Brazilians or the the Brazilian rugby community in general really starting to take notice of the thirteen man game. So yeah. uh, they're doing some great things, man. That was fantastic, mate. Um, Golden Point. Let's go to Scotland, where uh, the Aberdeen Warriors, one of Scotland rugby league's most powerful clubs, is set to return in twenty twenty two after a four year hiatus. Mate, a uh, little bit of, I can tell you a bit about this club. Do you know much about Aberdeen Warriors? Do you know much about rugby league in Scotland? Mate, um, I'd, I'd love to be enlightened by you. I know about Aberdeen quite a bit, but mate, tell me the story. What's, what's, what's changed in the last four years that has, um, that has made them change their mind and want to come back? Mate, basically founded two, uh, 2010 uh, and they were champions for four years. So from 2013 
to 2016. They, they won the title, the National League, each year. They went to four Challenge Cups as well, but the club folded in 2018, basically citing a lack of support from the league organisers at the time. Uh, now, since then, things have changed. We've seen the Edinburgh Eagles doing some great things, and some new clubs have formed since then. So Glasgow Rugby League have formed, Fife are back, the Fourth Valley Vikings have formed. So there's five strong clubs there at the moment, and uh, Aberdeen are going to come back and be club number six. So I just think, I guess they realise they're going to get more regular footy, that the, the competition is run, the, the organisation is a little more professional now, and they'd like to bring Rugby League back and hopefully get back to the top again. You know what? I think that's exactly what the Scottish National League actually needs, right? Like Aberdeen, like you said, mate, they've won how many titles? Four of them already? Four, in yeah. seven seasons? That's in right. seven seasons? Yeah. This is this is a successful club. Like if you can walk away with four titles in seven seasons, I'd be pretty happy. So the fact they're coming back into the competition, um, mate, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So let's see what 2022 brings in for them, eh? Hopefully good things, man. Uh, golden point, let's stick to Europe, mate where the Rugby League European Federation, or should I say the former Rugby League European Federation, have rebranded to Europe Rugby League. Did you see this one, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I did see this. And um, it kind of makes sense, right? Because it's happened in a, in a few different areas as well. Yeah, that's right. So, look, it's in line with the global strategy. So it began with the RLIF uh, changing to IRL about a year and a half ago now. Of course, the Asia-Pacific Rugby League, the APRL, is there as well. And we do expect the trend to continue. So there's the working groups in the Americas and Middle East Africa. So that'll be the Americas Rugby League and the Middle East Africa Rugby League, we assume. So it's just aligning all of the brands, all of the Rugby League brands from each area under the International Rugby League banner. I think it makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, it's good to see some uniformity in our game, which we don't see a lot of all the time. Yeah, exactly right. So hopefully hopefully the structure and the actual the actual organisations follow suit. Mate. And um, I'd love to see what these guys can achieve under this new branding. Hopefully um, the new marketing campaigns that come off the back of them can give them the exposure that they need to make this something that they can build upon and something that is easily recognisable around the world. So you know I'm looking forward to the marketing campaigns. You know me, rugby league and marketing. It's all, it's all good. And um, oh, golden point, let's go to Fiji. This is probably the story of the week for me. So you would have seen it, man. The Kaviti Silk Tales, they serenade Sydney. So the whole squad sang a hymn to thank the hotel staff at the Sofitel Wentworth uh, to end their quarantine. Did you see this on the news? How good was that? I could not believe that, that these guys can come into the Wentworth Hotel, spend 14 days in quarantine, and then off the back of that, sing thanks and praise to the hotel workers like that just says a lot about their culture and what they do as a team right absolutely amazing and i love it and to all of our international listeners so outside of australia who may not have seen this try and google it or youtube it or something but basically what it was like the video is from the bottom of like the bottom of a hotel and it looks up to all of the windows and you've got fijian players in each of the rooms that on each of the balconies singing a hymn uh, in unison as a, as a way of saying thank you to the staff at the Wentworth Hotel during their quarantine. Absolutely beautiful, as you can expect. Um, love the culture, man. Only in rugby league, right? Mm-hmm. Only in rugby league, man. And it's really good to see these guys, you know, sticking it out. They're going to be here for the Ron Massey Cup for the rest of the year, for the rest of the season. Yeah, man. So they're going to they're gonna be away from their families, man. So big up to these guys, and um, I, I wish them all the best. Um, Dan, I'm a big St. George fan and I've been speaking to some other St. George fans and we're not expecting too many wins this year. So we've decided we're going to go watch some Silk Tail games instead and see how they go. <laughs> Please invite me. I'm a St. George fan. Oh, well. no, I didn't even, see, I didn't even know that. You're on, you're on. We'll all go there. We'll wear our Dragons jerseys and we'll sing Fijian hymns together. Mate, um, 
The other big news for Fiji, so one of the silk tail players, so fullback Vawate Karawalevu, he just signed for the Roosters. Um, so Roosters and, and silk tails obviously have a little bit of a pathway deal going on. Just signed for the Roosters. He's a fullback. He's 19 years old. So he's, he's they've got a few good young fullbacks now there, the Roosters. But the big thing here is this t- decision to commit to rugby league um, because, you know, not only was he part of the silk tail squad, but he was also named in the Fijian Rugby Union squad as well. So basically this Roosters contract means he's committed to, to rugby league and hopefully the floodways continue to open. We're going to see a lot of Fijians coming through to the NRL over the next few years through this initiative. I say it every week, but it's going to be great. Mate, you're going to see the ball skills and that ball speed, that line speed those guys have actually come shining through in the next couple of years. And the fact that the NRL is now attracting this top-level talent from Union, mate, says a lot, right? Sensation. Says it's the daughter right thing. 100%, man, 100%. Mate, the other one, uh, in a similar vein, so Golden Point to Papua New Guinea, um, and I'm not sure if you saw this one in the news, but uh, we keep talking about Brisbane too as the next expansion team. Well, Papua New Guinean Prime Minister James Marape, he's, uh, he's got Team 18 already locked away in his mind, so he's revealed that the country, they wanna, they're aiming to have an NRL team by the year 2025. You know what? That move actually makes sense considering how close they are to us. Like, you know, they, they, those flights are pretty much nothing now, right? Um, so, you know, the fact that they can actually travel around Australia, be part of the NRL, and hopefully, you know, in a post-COVID world, you can actually see a couple of New Guinea teams succeed, right? You're already seeing it in the Hunters in the Q Cup. So. The more the Hunters sort of go on, the more I agree with you. Like, um, the, the Hunters now, they're separate from the PNGRL, which I think is a good sign. In the same way that the Warriors are separate to the New Zealand Rugby League. So it's all very professional. Hunters doing great things under coach Matty Church, good friend of the show. And um, look, I think 2025 is probably too soon for this team. I want to see the Hunters develop some more players and, and bring through. Like We could get to a stage in the next five, ten years where there's a, like a Kumul squad worth of um, Papua New Guinean talent in the NRL, similar to mm-hmm. Fiji with a silk tail. So I kind of want to see those pathways open up a little bit more. But if I'm the NRL, I'm sort of having a look at all of this and I'm saying, all right, in the next you know decade or two, let's go to 20 teams. We'll bring in Brisbane too. We'll bring in Papua New Guinea. We'll bring in Perth. We'll bring in like an Adelaide or a New Zealand too. Let's get that mapped out and let's start, let's, let's start getting these teams in because I think Papua New Guinea, again, it's just one thing that rugby league can have a little bit of flavour that the NRL can have that just no one else really can. Yeah, yeah mate, you've put a good spin on that one. I actually, actually, I'm actually in line with that approach, mate, so that's a good one. Love it. I'm, I like when we agree, brother. Um, <laughs> golden point, let's go to France, where um, really exciting news. So um, Trent Robinson has been unveiled as the rugby director for, for the French national side to lead them into the, the Rugby League World Cup this year, and also former Catalans coach and current Ottawa Aces coach Laurent Fresneau uh, has also been appointed as their new head coach. And I believe Laurent and, and Trent have worked together for Catalans in the past as well. So they've got a good relationship already. Um, I don't know about you, Dan, but I think this is exactly what French Rugby League needs. Absolutely. And what is there that um, Trent Robertson can't do, mate? These guys won three premierships, two of them back-to-back. He yeah. speaks fluent French. <laughs> He's found a French wife, which is an added bonus. Like it's a, yeah. it's a logical move for him, right? Yeah. And um, and I think yeah, teaming up with his old assistant coach Laurent to um to guide um France is going to be it's going to be a, a top move for them. I can't wait to see these guys play. All of a sudden, France become like a chance to get through because I think the the group they're in, from memory, off the top of my head, I hope I'm not wrong, but uh, I think they've got 
uh, England, Samoa, uh, and you'd think that it would be tricky for them to get through. But um, yeah, like all of a sudden, Trent Robertson there and anything can happen. So renewed confidence. Second last golden point for the night, mate. Let's go to Lebanon and, and stick into to that World Cup sort of theme. Uh, the Lebanese Rugby League Federation clubs, they've met virtually. They've discussed the return to play. So obviously things have been difficult for COVID-wise. They haven't had their competition for the last season. The year before that, season disrupted by dispute between the clubs, uh, which has been well documented on this podcast. So we won't go into too much detail again. But um, yeah, back to back to domestic play. And they've also recommitted to, uh, to include six domestic players in their World Cup squad this year. Then how important is it for, for nations like Lebanon? And, and we've seen Greece and Italy also committing eight domestic players to their World Cup squads. How important is it to see domestic players coming through and mixing it up with these heritage guys at this level? Mate, it's, it's, it's of utter importance, right? Like any developing nation, even, even Lebanon at the stage that it's at, um, you know, it's, 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 it's what you need to do in order to inspire those players that are on the ground trying to find a way ahead in a particular sport that's got success overseas to give them the opportunity to play for their nation yeah. against other other top-class nations. It's You can't underestimate the value that's going to have. And the fact that they're recommitted now, mate, to, to having those six players come from domestic competition says a lot about their expectations in their playing squads in the years to come, mate. Yeah, I love it, man. And I hope those numbers continue to grow. I'd like to see a time where it's dominated by domestic players instead of the other way around. We'll get there eventually, big man. But, um, mate, the main reason you are here tonight uh, or here with me for this episode of the pod is a big game, big international rugby league match in Camden this Saturday. Tell us all about it, man. The floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, so Salvador Rugby League is taking on Peru Rugby League uh, for the first time in history, right? We've played in a nines, in a nines format, format in the past. This is going to be 13s. Um, and we're not taking this game lightly, you know. We've largely retained a squad that went undefeated for the 2019 Latin Nines. We're being headed up by Oscar Mendoza, Anthony Matuk, and our fullback. And we've got substantial size in our forward pack to match and go toe-to-toe with Peru. With one of our key players um, now committed to uh, to coming down from Queensland, Carlos Reyes, Kiwi Kiwi. Oh, I love he was it. A, he was the player of the tournament for us back in 2019. So yep. um, we're really keen to have him down here and... Um, kicking some ass, but you know what? Peru, man, they're not without their danger players, hey? So um, they've got, I'm not sure if you know, Thomas Garrido, yep. Coromel Cougars, making a return from a long-term injury, so he's going to be one of the danger players, as well as Sean Day, um, big Latin, Latin Heat enforcer, been there for many years, um, doing the rounds as well, so we're going to have to keep an eye on them both. Uh, it's going to be a fun night, mate, so kick off 7.30pm um, out at Waminda Roval in Campbelltown. And I just want to say a special thanks to Peru, especially Jamie Perez, for helping organise this alongside Osama the Rugby League. It's uh, going to be a very successful event. We're going to have quite a bit of entertainment. Uh, Latin DJ, Eddie Monji on the decks, um, spinning the music and also making sure that we're also going to have uh, the traditional Salvadorian and Peruvian food on the night. So if you're, if you're hungry for some authentic Latino cuisine and you want to see some guys go at it, um, in a great game of rugby league, come down. I'm in the Royal we'll be waiting for you. I love it, man. The food, that's where you got me sold because like the, <laughs> chur- the chorizo, the Uruguayan chorizo last weekend was 
mate, I could have kept it. I could have ate that all day. It was just sensational. Uh, Phil Brown will be out there with the vlog again. So get down there. You'll get on the Chasing Kangaroos YouTube page as well, if you, just in case you needed another reason to get down. Uh, you mentioned Jamie Perez, man. I feel bad being on the opposite side to him. You know, we're, we're on Team El Salvador, obviously, but Jamie's the nicest man in the world. Um, and yeah, I, you know, it's going to be tough kicking his ass. Yeah. <laughs> on the weekend but uh that should be a good one and yeah look look out on the socials as well because we'll post the details again just in case you missed it here guys but if you're out there in campbelltown uh saturday night el salvador versus peru international rugby league continues and uh dan mate um i'm going to say goodbye to you buddy thanks for chasing kangaroos with me cheers cards and uh our next our next chat uh big t and rob ashton from the bedford tigers dan i suggest you listen to it as well because it's an absolute cracker. Sitting patiently on the phone with me today is the chairman of Bedford Tigers, a progressive and ever-developing mature club in the south of England. He's a kangaroo chaser and a Benji Marshall fan, so essentially his family to me. Rob <laughs> Ashton, welcome once again to Chasing Kangaroos, sir. Cheers, Big T. Now, of course, it's again because you were one of the uh, stars, one of the highlights of the first call-in show. show. Uh, yeah, episode 82, I think. Oh, look uh, at you remembering just, your, I'll, your episode I'll, as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the plug for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone's doing it because we know that Cubs loves uh, memorising and then spruiking the episodes. Uh, he does, doesn't he? He's, like, he's good like he's, that. His memory for episodes is ridiculous. And he knows no one checks. So he just chucks it out there and sounds fantastic. And no one's actually going to check if... The Brazilian episode uh, of 61. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, of course. Um, yeah, we talked to Italy in like episode 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now tell me, sir, the, uh, where are we up to with your season? Uh, so England has just been told that we've got uh, a roadmap to, uh, to, to coming out of the, the current lockdown phase that we're in. Um, so. I think outdoor sports is is pending for sort of restarting around mid to no, about, about late March to, to mid May, uh, mid April. Um, so the RFL are, are working pretty hard on uh, figuring out what we can do, when we can do it, um, and sort of disseminating that to all the clubs. Um, so at the minute, it's just kind of a wait and see, but it could be that, that the season runs normally for 2021 uh, in terms of the timeframes and, and when we'd normally kick off and normally end. So it's looking positive. It doesn't sound it, Rob. I mean, <laughs> we got on the phone, you're so jaded. I asked you how the season's going. It sounds like you're telling me, you know, how sad you are. Is it, <laughs> is it you don't believe it or you guys keep going in and out of lockdown, you're just no, not sure it's going to happen? Yeah, what's, so what's the feeling we, there? We, we, yeah, we kind of, it, it almost looked like we were going to get out of lockdown lockdown one um and we we managed to get a game in towards the end of last year and then we hit lockdown two yeah. and then lockdown three but um no i'm not a, a medical professional but the all the signs look pretty good from um from the top end with the vaccination rollout and the numbers are starting to come down um and that's basically what they're doing now they're not putting dates on anything really they're sort of they're they're doing it by by the numbers uh, of infections and the rate of infections. So right. 
you know, they're, they're going to slowly drip feed little bits back into society. And, and if it has a, a detrimental effect in numbers, then they'll sort of, they might have a, a backward step, but it's not going to be like we're just opening loads of things, then it's all going to go wrong. Mm. And then we've got to lock down again. So, but yeah, the, the vaccination program's going pretty well. They've even sort of muted a, a, a date for getting people back into stadiums, which is, it's, it's going to be so good to get live sport back in people's lives uh, rather than watching it empty stadiums. Are you feeling uh, optimistic about the World Cup? Because in Australia we are, but yeah, uh, how are you feeling about I, it there? I think, again, though, um, John Dutton, friend of the show, he's been very cautious about how he's sort of approaching his rollout of, of everything that's happening with regards to the World Cup. So uh, he was waiting for, for this latest announcement, which came two days ago over here. And, we, you know, Boris Johnson, the, the Prime Minister, sort of, He's indicated that he thinks that we will be completely out of, of lockdown measures by mid-year, so June, July. Uh, so if, that's, if wow. that's the case, then, you know, happy days. We can get into to full stadiums come October, November. So, look, anything can happen. Anything could go wrong. We could all be back to square one. But at the minute, you know, we've, we've got to live in hope and we've got to have something to look forward to. The World Cup at the end of the year in this country is, uh, is definitely that thing. So. And you think you'll go? Oh mate, yeah, I've uh, I've forked out for I think I've got four or five games. Oh great! Yeah, I've managed to to pick up a few. The, the problem is, is that where we live in the country, the only game that's sort of near us is the London semi final. So that's that's pending for Arsenal Football Stadium. I think whichever whichever semi final England end up in, they're going to host that in London. The other semi final will be up in I think it's Anfield, Liverpool. Uh, so whatever happens, you know the the England route will go through. We'll go through London, so I'll definitely be going to that one. I've got tickets for the opening ceremony and the the opening games up in Newcastle. I'm going to go watch the Kangaroos almost certainly beat Scotland in Coventry because that's only about almost certainly, <laughs> almost certainly. Rob, I'm going to pull you up, big boy. You're happy to talk about how you the England's going to cruise into the semi-finals, <laughs> but you're going to pull us up on maybe losing to Scotland. Jeez, please. <laughs> We've got to be realistic here, biggest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you know, it, it, it's all going to be fine. I think. Yeah, I've got I've got tickets. I'm happy with what I got. I managed to get seats for the final as well, so we'll have a the the actual final final. Yeah, yeah. so uh, there'll be oh unreal. There'll be six of us going up for that and having a weekend in Manchester and you know probably watch England win it, right? <laughs> if if no, Australia no, only scraping past Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. With your presence and bad juju, those kinds of things, yeah, Australia will be tripping up the whole way. Uh, I mean, Carbonara will also be. Happy. You're doing a great job of, of playing the Carbonara role because Uncle Carbs loves talking about Australia losing as well. Yeah, so you're doing too. a fantastic job of that. Uh, opening ceremony, a bunch of games, the final. I'm so excited for you. This is going to be unreal. Yeah, mate. I'm excited. I'm excited. Just to get into a stadium. And after people, all of this... An atmosphere. And- that's it. After all of this wait, and you're going to be at a rugby league final in, in just a few months. Unreal. Now, look, um, long-term fans will know, well, they heard an episode allegedly 82 about you falling in love with uh, Benji Marshall's Goosey. <laughs> For anyone who missed that story, who's been, who's been with us since episode 100, please, Rob Regalis, and how you became a West Tigers fan. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, the, the story goes, I, I grew up in rugby union and uh, been up for a couple of beers with one of my mates the night before. And we sort of got up a bit sort of groggy in the morning and he got a phone call. He actually played for the local rugby league side that was only about a year old at the time. And they were short of players. So he said, you know, do you want to come down and, and get involved? So I went down, played my first game, fell in love with the sport and, and never looked back. And then 
you know, I, I didn't really have access to a lot of media coverage from rugby leagues. It just doesn't really exist in the south of England, or it certainly didn't at the time. So I started to sort of do my own research. And Tigers being Tigers, I, I found out there's a there was a Tiger side in the NRL. And all you have to do is type in West Tigers highlights and you get Benji Marshall sidestepping people <laughs> and breaking ankles all over the place. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'd like to say that I, I base my game on him, but I, I've got more of a, a, a tongue and sidestep where you just run straight into somebody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the idea of me sidestepping and dancing around people would uh, would raise, raise some smiles on the side of the pitch. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's how I got into it. And then, yeah, just kind of followed the, the Tigers in the NRL ever since, which, as you all know, hasn't been an easy ride. <laughs> but um, No, because you turned up over after 05, yeah, am I remembering that, time, right? Yeah, so uh, yeah. Yeah, I picked the wrong time mm. to get involved. But, you know, this is the year, right? Surely. Yeah, for it's sure. Time. Yeah, yeah. Post-COVID, Madge will take us all the way. Did, um, was it the Bedford Tigers that you played for that day, or who was the team? Yeah, so it was Rugby League in Bedford starting about... 99 or 2000 there's a rugby union club called bedford swift sort of a, a low-grade rugby union club and they just wanted something to do in the summer so they just they, they formed um, a rugby league section you know as so they finished their union season and then play rugby league and, and that that lasted for about two or three years yep and then that sort of fell away and um we had a couple of guys who were involved at the time in rugby locally one was a guy from alden I'll give andy buckley a shout out and a guy called Chris Potts, who's an Australian, uh, who was over in England. They both sort of put their heads together. And uh, Phil Walker as well, a guy from Wigan. So, you know, expat rugby league, I suppose, in a rugby union town. And they uh, they put their heads together and formed the club. And mm. Andy and Chris sort of disappeared over the years. Phil's still around, which is great. And I kind of picked up the reins in about 2009. The wheels were sort of falling off. It. We'd had a sort of a three-year generation of players and they were starting to move on and there was no real plans to replace them. Right. Yeah, we, we had, uh, we, we called a meeting in a, in a pub to sort of chat about what we we're going to do and four people turned up. I was like, ah, man, so this Oof. is this is going to be really hard work and absolute car crash or, you know, we can work through this. Um, yeah, we we slowly built it. We set ourselves realistic goals. You know, just get to the start line was the first one. And we managed to sort of attract in a, a new, fresh-faced bunch of players. And we actually worked our way to a grand final that year in, in the east of England, which was remarkable considering where we were in, in the January time. And so when you say just get to a start line, I'm just, just in case anyone else is, you know, in America or, or, or the Middle East trying to start their own club as well, going through something similar. You go, you, yeah. You're in a pub with four people and essentially you're trying to reinvent this club. You've got a name and and a place to play, but by start line you mean get it just attract enough yeah. human beings to turn up to make yeah, a team? Is that, yeah, is that what you mean by start line? To, to the, the first right. whistle of the first game. And yeah, it slowly grew and it built from there. I mean, the, the standard wasn't wasn't great to start with, but... How are you, you know, doing that? Is it just be, mates of friends? Like, how do you get people to come and play yeah, football with you? Well, to, to start with, that, that's, that's literally... And, and, it's almost certainly the same with with any country that doesn't have rugby league. You know, you, you've got to introduce it to people, right? And you, you've got to convince them to first come down. You know, the, what most people meet you with is, you know, I, I've never played rugby league before, and you say, "Well, nobody's played rugby league before until they play rugby league." So, yeah, yeah, you know, come down and give it a go. And I don't know if it's just the unfamiliar thing, isn't it? If you've grown up on on rugby union in a rugby union hotbed. You, you've got a preconceived idea of what rugby league is. It's probably the same over in, in Sydney with, with rugby league players and, and rugby union. And the taboo over here is, is yeah, it's, it still exists, which doesn't help. It is, attitudes are slowly changing. 
Uh, you know, you look at the pro game and you see so many cross-code players and coaches and influences that people are becoming a little bit more open-minded to it. What we did was we recognised that juniors was the only way to sustain the club right. moving forwards. And so that's families so then. Much, yeah, so juniors are so much easier to convince them to make the switch because parents what? want to give their kids something to do in the summer. Oh, um, right. I thought it'd be way harder. So finding kids to play football is easier than finding adults to play football. Oh, uh, yeah. Every day. Wow. it's An adult makes their own decisions. Uh, a kid, the parents <laughs> make the decisions. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. If you're, if, if you're, putting, if you're putting rugby on in, in the summer over here and the parents are used to their kids playing summer all winter, they yeah. want them out the house again in the summer as well. Mm. So they bring them down. We introduce them to the sport. They pick the sport up quickly because they haven't got ingrained yeah, habits. Yeah. And what we then find is the kids love it. And the kids talk about it all winter when they're at the rugby union clubs. Really? The love it. And, they, it, and we've, had, we've had so many parents, you know, saying to us after sessions, I've, I've never seen him play like that. I've never seen him do this. I've never seen him do that. And it's, mm. you know, I think it's it's one of those things. People just don't know that the sport exists and don't know how good it can be. Yeah, it's so much more equitable in rugby union in terms of for kids. Time of the ball, uh, yeah, roll with the time. ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not standing on the wing with the rain coming in sideways, not touching the ball. Yeah, or just rucking constantly, diving in and out of rucks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and kids drop the ball a lot. So a rugby union game could be pretty stop-start at the best of times. But when you mm. drop the ball every, every three passes, it becomes almost stuck in the mud, really, doesn't it? Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rugby league, you get, you get tackled, you get back up, you play the ball, you're still playing, you're still moving, stuff's still happening the whole time. Right, um, right. And you, you can get your quick kids in to run around the fat kids and you can get the fat kids in to run over the quick kids. And yeah. you know, everybody's everybody's excelling in a field somewhere. Okay. So. so kids was the key, wow. Yeah, yeah, big time. So we, we're just that little bit too far out of London to effortlessly start a junior side at the Tigers. Um, you know, because it, it's only a small band of volunteers still running the club. So to run a senior side, to run a second team, and then to run juniors as well, all on the same day and get them all to three different locations, four different locations in and around London, we considered it to be a bit too much effort. So what we did was we sort of set up four clubs locally at local rugby union clubs who all bought in really quickly because they could see the benefit. You know, they keep their, their rugby union club functioning yeah. through the summer. Yeah. They keep money ticking over. They're keeping their players active. Yeah. So all we did was, we, you know, we sort of set up a eight to 10 week program at these four sites and just two weeks of training and, and learning how to play the ball and the basic rules. And then just a week of festival, then a training week, then festival, then training week, then festival. Wow. What a great idea. And we just did that, you know, 10 weeks is manageable and it's all within 30 minutes of, of our club. And then the idea being is that we then sort of have a look at the players throughout that 10-week season, keep an eye on the better players, then handpick them at the end and we put them through. <laughs> so we, this is the program before COVID. We managed to get it to a point where we, we were handpicking the better players and we put them in a, I don't know what you want to call it, a, a pathway sort of Development program. squad or whatever development program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and they then played under the Tigers banner. So, you know, they, they were getting invited up to, to almost play representative rugby Yes, for the Tigers. And then we went down the road and played. We've got Henry Staggs who are probably about 45 minutes down the road. They're an ex-professional club. They've got a good setup down there. Rugby league's existed there since the early 80s. So, yeah, to take to take uh, sort of a hand-picked squad down to them um, and pit them against uh, a team who's played together all season in the London comp, was pretty good and Hemel won but we didn't embarrass ourselves and everybody loved it and the parents loved it because their kids are quote unquote 
representative players now. Yeah. You know, it keeps everybody interested. It gives it gives a goal, like several goals throughout the season. So, yeah. Yeah, and that that's worked. And then off the back of that, in 2020, we we were just about to form the academy, like a, a 16s age group, which would then feed into an 18s age group, which is going to come in 2021. So we yeah we managed to get that off the ground. We got a couple of coaches in, and we were running that. I don't know if you remember Rich from the last call episode yeah, of 82, uh, who was sitting in the car with me. So. Yeah, uh, yeah Svartos, he, uh, who, was, who was spoiling all of he, your uh, lines. Yeah, I loved him. <laughs> yeah, man, that's him. Yeah, so he he wanted. To, he just came to me and said, "What can I do? I want to I want to set up a, an age group." And I was like, "Well, we've got this academy age group sort of ready to go," and he, he was all over it. And he just he just took that ball and ran with it, which is great because you know if you're running a club, as most people who run a club will know, it's very hard work and and getting volunteers to sort of pull their weight in the right direction. Right, is is hard to find. Uh, and Rich just came in. He's like, "This is my thing. I'm going to make it great." And he did it. And then COVID hit. So, you know, we we, I think that was the culmination of about four years worth of work to get to that point to get ourselves an academy of the best players from these four satellite clubs. And then to have COVID hit last year was pretty devastating. But we've we've maintained good communication with everybody throughout the time. And when we we're allowed to get training sessions on, we got the boys back in for training sessions. We managed to get one game in towards the end of last year. And was that an academy um, so game we, or was that the, was that the A grade? Like yeah. So that top? was a, that was, that was a, a 16s. Right. Um, what, what we call our academy uh, yep. under 16s. So yeah, we got that on. So, you know, we, we somehow managed to keep it all alive and ticking over last year. Which was which is important because it means we haven't lost too much momentum. We've still got all these boys interested. Yep. Uh, you know, and there's there's some units in there, some really good players, a couple of South Africans as well. So you know, whenever South Africa want to start up their national team, we'll uh, we've got a couple of players. For them, <laughs> Bedford's so. calling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. It's 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 good. It's it's exciting to watch as well. You know, I'm coming to the end of my my playing career. I probably should have retired two or three years ago, but. Uh, you know, if, if you love it, you love it. Mm. But what I'm finding now is I actually, I really, really enjoy providing rugby league for people and, and putting those things on for all the juniors and seeing how they're evolving and how they're playing. Mm. You know, to, to, to put on, so the first junior festival we ran was awesome. We had all these kids who have never seen or heard of rugby league before playing rugby league. Yeah. And it looks like rugby league and it was, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> It, yes, it's, it's smells great, like rugby league. Feels like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, and it's in the summer, you know, and, and the parents are all on the side of the pitch, not shivering and freezing, and you know they're chatting and <laughs> happy and jolly, and you know, happy parents uh, uh, are good things to have because they'll just spread the word. Then you get more players down, and yeah, you get more people interested in the club. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at with with juniors and the, the plans this year. Like I said, we're to to extend that 17s age group and have an 18s age group. So Richie's going to be sort of spearheading the 18s and the 16s. And yeah, hopefully we'll get some success out of that. I don't know if, if COVID's going to have had a bit of a detrimental effect on the, the satellite clubs. But what we found is with no rugby union being played, we've got a lot of people. And certainly it's not going to look like rugby union when it restarts if it restarts anytime soon. I think there's an opportunity there to sort of tap in and say, look, we could administer and provide some rugby league activity for you. So you keep your clubs alive. Plan your own club banners. We'll provide it. And, you know, in the same format, the same 10 week format, you guys have got all your club welfare offices, you've got all your coaches in place, it's stuff that we don't have to worry about. And then there's a bunch of new kids, a new generation of kids coming through. And hopefully if they like it, if the clubs like it, if the clubs see the value in it, then we can sort of 
drop the monikers that we were using for our made up teams and our satellite clubs and we can just adopt these rugby union clubs and yeah and hopefully start to build that year on year and build those relationships <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's hundreds of players out there you just got to figure out a way of, of attracting them in and, and tapping them in and providing a product that's attractive enough and fun enough and enjoyable enough for players and parents and coaches and and everybody sees the value in it so that's yeah, but- the plan with juniors moving forward is that? Am I understanding this right? Then, in like five years, you went from four people in a in a pub and and a thousand people not giving a shit to, like, <laughs> essentially running your own competition to feed into the amount of number of kids that you had in that club. Yes. Yeah, so the the meeting. That's the nuts, pub Rob. Did you hear two, that, man? That's crazy. Like yeah, that's nuts, man. Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. So it was, it was a it was a good sort of eight to ten year process to get to where we're at. Far out. I think the model works. The model probably would have worked a lot earlier, but I was I was playing. I wanted to concentrate on playing and enjoy playing. It's only, you know, as I'm getting towards the end of my career that, that I'm realizing I really enjoy providing it and, and putting it on and, and creating it. And that you can change rugby league in the south of London. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's unreal, yeah. man. Okay, so officially you're the chairman of, of the Bedford Tigers. And what, what else does that really mean? Like... I mean, a chairman and other comps not not creating and and you know doing all this other stuff. Our actual chairman's probably going to listen to this. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> a shout out to, to to Graham, who's the actual chairman. I I kind of I'm not even sure that I have an official role. I'm right. just like the guy who does everything. You're more the chairman. You're the guy who has a chair, and you're you know you're the guy who has lots of different yeah, things. I, we've got a really good working partnership, Graham seems to revel in doing paperwork and administration okay and has a really keen eye for for money uh, and finances and trying to get a penny out of him is really difficult yeah. <laughs> so sound like a great guy to have yep yeah yeah there's there's no way we could have got to where we are without his input and, and right. what he's brought to the club so yeah we, we've kind of got this perfect relationship where he does a lot of the work behind the scenes pushing the club forward with paperwork and registrations and, and subs and crazy new ideas for stuff and I'll deal with all the stuff on the field and right. building the, the playing side of things so yeah chairman of the playing side maybe yeah football manager or something like that yeah yeah direct, director yeah director of football yeah director of football that's, that's, that's way better junior vice president that yes important. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well done well, I'm glad that we yeah. officially worked out your role uh, okay and since then you'd say the best developments that, that you've seen in the club since joining um, from your from your drunken slumber would be the the junior development and those and those games that you saw those yeah, those carnival time. vibes yeah big time from a senior point of view we've developed as well you know we at the start we were playing in a, a very uh, hit and miss east region competition mm-hmm. we, we actually lost our regional development officer in 2012 which was pretty devastating because we were then three years into our development as a club uh, our rebuild as a club and then to lose the regional development officer through funding cuts meant the competition had nobody really who was looking after it the, the, the person who was then given the remit to look after the comp lived up in leeds which is almost three hours away you know right. they've got no no concept of the geography uh, and the demographic down down this in the south of england and, and in the east especially so you know I, I didn't want to see my club die away i didn't want to see all that that hard work fall by the wayside so i sort of took it upon myself i've made some connections with with the local clubs and the players and the administrators so i got in touch with them and said look our competition looks pretty flaky shall we create an entity and, and work together on helping to support each other so we will create our own competition we'll ring fence it 
outside of London. So all the clubs who were in the geographical east of England, you know, some played in the east, some played in the Midlands, some played in London. And we just pulled everybody back into the east. We created the East Rugby League and um, kicked on from there. And it just meant it was far more secure. It was, it was constant and consistent moving forwards. Each year, you weren't sort of guessing which clubs were going to be in the comp and how the comp was going to look. Right. All the clubs were dedicated from, from Christmas. The fixtures were in by the end of January. All the clubs could then plan. We introduced the cup competition. We introduced like a shield competition. So if you got knocked out in the first round of the cup, you then went to shield. So there was more opportunity to win silverware. Yep. Because wow. what we're finding was, you know, halfway through the season, the team who hasn't won anything yet or, or picked up a couple of games and sitting bottom of the table, they, they're getting fed up and then they just pull out the comp. Yeah. But by creating a sort of a, a, a two-tiered structure of competition with opportunities to still win stuff, it kept all the teams interested. It kept everything alive. And uh, the competition started to grow and new, new clubs started to form. And In, in the East Comp, yeah. in the East Comp that you invented, more teams started turning up and being created. Yeah. Robert, are you trying to tell me that in the period of time in which you were playing rugby union and drunk on the floor, you created a kids' comp <laughs> and an adults' comp? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so we've accidentally found like the, the most important person in English grassroots rugby league. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe. Yes. I, 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 Unbelievable, I, 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 man. Yeah. What's the cup called? Uh, mate, mate you, you've made me all shy now. Excellent. So we we just called it the the East RL. That was that's the competition. Uh, so it's the East RL Cup. Oh, it's got to have a nickname or something where you're trying to win Betsy or or something. I'll, I'll come. <laughs> I'll workshop the name. That could be my job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the trophy needs a name. Yeah, yeah. Have a think. Put it out. That can be listeners' competition. Love it. Name, name, I love it. Name the trophy. And now that I know you're the boss, and we'll get it engraved on the back. That's right. Yeah. Just it can be just be in quotation marks. It doesn't have to be like it's not its official official name, but it's its you know nickname. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, I love that. Okay, excellent. Uh, Okay, so you've invented this this competition. It's so successful that other teams are now inventing themselves to come and play rugby league with you. Yeah. Has Bedford ever won it? Uh, Yeah. So we (laughs) there was there was a running joke at the club that I I'd lost about fifteen finals in my rugby playing career across both codes. Ah, and yeah, so we I think we featured in the first two cup finals and lost them. Uh, oh. We featured in two or three grand finals in the East competition and lost them. And then everything sort of clicked in 2015. We won the East treble, so the nines, the league and the cup. But that's that's it. So 2015 was our year. Wow. So you've also got a nines comp. When, when did that? When were you going to tell me about that one? When did you invent the nines competition? At the same time. So about. 2012, 2013 <laughs> is the first. Yeah, when the East RL started, you know, we've got to have these, we've got to have different opportunities for, for teams to be successful, um, to keep them interested and give them something to play for and play in. And the Nines was an ideal introduction. For you sure. Know, we have as a pre season festival and, and teams can either enter it or not. It gives new teams an opportunity to sort of come down and try it out and see where their standards are and where their levels are. You know, it, it worked for a a few years where we had big numbers and the numbers started, started to tail off as we started to move the, the festival around the region. And, you know, if you if you move it too far away from the centre spot of the region, right. teams sort of struggle to, to travel. But, yeah, you know, it's it's been good fun. I'm not sure I'm made for nines anymore. But, yeah, I, I enjoy getting out there and just throwing the ball around. And, so you played, in 2015, you played in all three um, grand finals? Yeah. 
Oh, wow, yeah, man. That's so exciting. In, in all three, which is nice. You scored in all three grand finals? No, 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 no. I don't oh. score tries. I score, oh, so I score like two, two tries a year and then yeah. rub it in. So I just want to, for non-English, non-English um, people who, who aren't used to this kind of competition, the league is obviously the normal one that people would know where, where you play round robins and stuff like that and eventually yeah. you go into the finals. And the cup is just that knockout vibe where... Straight, straight knockout. Yeah. FA Cup kind of style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And the nines is done as a as a league or as a... Um, it's just a festival, cup. yeah. So you turn up, you get put in pools, you okay. play your pool games and then, yeah. you know, top two go off and... And, and playoff. And were you versing the same club in those three grand finals? Oh, that's a good question. Like, was there some other poor club that also made them and you were just like their nemesis? No, they're, they're, to be fair, there's some good clubs around. There's some good guys running clubs in, in the East, some strong clubs. We've got teams over in, we've got some Ives Roosters who have been around for donkey's years. North Tars Crusaders do a really good job over there. They're, they're sort of, they're kicking on with second team and, and introducing juniors. St. Albans just down the road. Hamelstags is our sort of our big rivalry. You know, those, those games get tasty. <laughs> There's all the back back and forwards on, on social media beforehand. And then you get on the pitch and it's just, you know, winding each other up for, for 80 minutes. And then you finish and we'll have a beer and a laugh and a joke. So Yeah, love it. But yeah, it's it's good to, to to have these relationships with the other clubs. And, you know, you can, you can bounce ideas off each other and, and, sort of grow together because I think that's that's the best way for for a sport to develop in a in an undeveloped area is right. you've got to have everybody pulling in the same direction. Um, this is so gold. Like, so juniors well, is, you know you, yeah if you want if you want juniors you've got to set juniors up at, at the same age group. Yeah. There's no point in, in us having twelves and Hamill having tens and St Albans yes. having nines. You know, it's you, you've got to work together on a on a plan and, and, and build it up together. It, it, all that does is make everything stronger. That strengthens the juniors. It strengthens the sport. It strengthens the clubs. It improves the the future for the the seniors at all these clubs. Mm. So that's the way to do it. Well, that's the way we found to do it. So. The the key things I'm hearing is you've got to have a tight geographical area because you redeveloped the east into a, into a space that was consistent and the same. You need to have yeah. you need to be really focusing on juniors and because that trickles up. And then you also need to make sure that every other club that you're working with is, uh, although you're reversing them, you're actually in bed with them and everyone's working together so yeah, the entire yeah. league gets back. Okay. The, the other important thing is is to have more than one or two people running a club. Um, you know, we, even though we've seen clubs forming, we've also seen clubs disappearing. Right. You know, and, and they fall away because they've just got one man doing everything. You know, it, it took a little while for, for Graham and I to realize that or, or to get the people on board that are really going to add value to what we're doing and pitch in and, and take a job off our hands, take something that, you know, even if it's as small as washing the kit each week, it's a little job that somebody like me or Graham doesn't have to worry about or think about mm-hmm. or do. When you've got one person marking the pitches, sorting the kit, sorting the, the opposition, sorting the referee, it's just, it gets to a point where that person just gets fed up and they, you know, there's their enjoyment for for what they started has disappeared. And yep. then, you know, they'll, they'll just knock it on the head. So yeah, it's it's important to, to spread the workload and get good people around you who want to sort of buy into the same dream, not just surround yourself with people who turn up on a Saturday and play because that will get boring. How's that gone for refereeing? You mentioned that then, and and people just turning up on the day, things like that. How, how have you guys gone with finding referees and maintaining referees? We've got a Southern Referee Society, which 
you know, they, they, they do their own recruitment. I've not actually had a lot to do with them. But when you've invented your league, did you then send your thing off to them going, hey, guys, these are the times we now need referees? Oh, uh, yeah. So everything that we do is 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 done through the RFL. So, so basically, I sit locally with these clubs and I'm sort of the almost like a go-to point for, for the teams locally. And then I'll take all the, the feedback up to, to the RFL. So they've got one point of contact in the East. And all the East clubs have got one point of contact going through into the RFL. And then we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the mm. fixture list. And then the RFL has put that into a database and, and referees get generated and, and sent out. So Yeah, right. Okay. All that's done pretty centrally from the governing body. So you're the director of football for the Eastern League as well as <laughs> Bedford. Okay. I'm starting to hear more and more roles you've got under that umbrella. Yeah. Now, you've got nines and you've got obviously juniors and seniors, but all of that's for guys. Is there much of a women's... Women's comp there yeah, or, we, or plans for that as well? We've tried. Um, we've had limited success with that. Right. Probably more so because we haven't had the manpower to sort of go out, advertise it, deliver it, make sure it happens. It's always a sort of test the water type thing and, and just put a couple of adverts out saying we're thinking about having women's sessions. Is anybody interested? But, you know, rather than going to women's rugby clubs and actually talking to them, so that's that's actually the plan for this year. There's sort of a southern competition, southern women's competition starting, if not this year, the next year, which we want to be a part of. There's some pretty big name clubs who are wanting to be a part of that as well. I can't say too much more at time of recording. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's great to hear that something's happening. Purely because I don't know much more. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> it's because it's like secret screw. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so, so our plan is our plan is pretty much the same as, as the juniors. We're going to try and talk to a couple of local women's rugby union sides, just say, look, we'll put on a, an eight-week program, a little competition. All you guys have to do is manage your own team and turn up for, for the fixtures that we, we put on for you. And we'll, we might do that in festival format. We might do that in fixture format. You know, we'll, we'll see, once we start talking to the clubs, we'll see where the land lies with that. And hopefully we can we can do the same. You know, at the end of the program, we'll, we'll handpick some players to come on and do a a pathway program yep. with us and form a Bedford Tigers women's side. So yeah, running running two layers of that I think will help as well. The mini satellite competition and then and then a representative program. That, mm. That's how we that, that that for us is the easiest way. We don't have to go out and, and find a team and build a team from scratch. We can just go to teams that already exist, rugby players that already exist, and just introduce them to to the sport and and nurture it and see how it develops. It's very, very rare you find somebody who tries rugby league and doesn't like it. Mm. It's particularly if they're already playing union. Mm. Yeah, exactly. All we have to do is, is, is introduce the sport, and normally the sport does the rest for us. So. Yeah. Now, in Australia, I don't know if it's the same as England, but in Australia, one weird um, thing that often happens is that there is a large proportion of boys that, that the gateway into rugby league is touch football, and the large amount yeah. of um, girls the gateway into rugby league is through Oztag. Is there any Oztag or Touch or anything like that in the in that part of England? Yeah, so Touch Rugby's become quite big. We don't have Oztag. Not sure what Oztag is. Wow, is maybe the Oz in Oztag Australia? I've never even thought of that until. Holy crap! Are How we the only people who play that? it? That's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why um, I never thought of it. League Tag yeah, is now what has been rebranded as. Maybe because they're trying to take it globally. Uh, wow, my brain's exploding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Revelation. Yeah, so, the league tag um, is just touch football, but there's tags on your side, so you can swivel and move and, and stuff like that, so it's less... Uh, right, you're a bit more evasive. Yeah, and the play the balls aren't dump and goes um, and things like that. It's right. way more like league. You can drop the ball backwards and kick and things like that. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've got 
we've got touch rugby over here, which I think was actually adopted by the RFU and sort of rolled out by the RFU for, for something for people to do in the in the summer. Mm. You know, to to hit new demographics and get new people playing rugby. What people don't realise is that they're just playing a short form of rugby league. Yeah, you know, it's six tackles. You've got to retreat five meters. It's <laughs> what do you think it is? Mm. So yeah, I. I there's there's little pockets of, of touch rugby competitions. There's there's one that's held in Bedford through the there's actually a Bedford touch rugby club, and and in the summer they run a tournament which runs for I don't know eight weeks again, and that just gets people from you know kids to adults, women, former players, people who can't keep up with the physicality of the full game. Yeah, maybe retired a couple of years, they they come back because they've still got the, the core skills and yeah. just want to have the physicality to. To still do it, so you know that's that's huge. That that attracts a lot of people every year. That's really popular here in the town. So yeah, it's it's nice to go down and watch people essentially playing rugby league without actually knowing that they're they're playing rugby league. And is there any way you can you can build on that? Then is there a way that you can umbrella that into? Yeah, the we we we've had a little chat with them. They've got their own identity and and, and they're right. building their own brand. And right. that's, you know, they're each their own. You know, they're they're doing a great job of of that. So there's probably no reason at this stage to have any further talks. But I think as we as we grow and develop, it's something I'd like to absorb into the club. Mm. Whether we sort of you know join forces and help them out, or if we start our own touch rugby section uh, and have a have a dedicated team who aren't the current senior players or the the academy, but people who just want to play touch rugby. Right. You know, that, that'd be awesome. We could start building that up and, and training properly instead of just turning up on a Wednesday with no idea what's going on, uh, no structure to the player, just throwing it around hoping that some quick guy gets on the outside shoulder of somebody and scores a try. Um, <laughs> you know, because as soon as you look at the <laughs> the training clips on, on YouTube, you know, what they do, how they manipulate defences is, is ridiculous. You know, you've got six players on a, on a small pitch and you can still try and find space somewhere and, and make defences look silly. And, yeah. and the speed of it is ridiculous. You yeah. know, watching Australia and New Zealand playing each other, it's it's crazy. Oh, man, I have haven't felt so gassed. About two years ago, I was refereeing it um, in just for kids under 12s touch and i was so <laughs> gassed it was hectic because when they do when they do when we have knock-ons in in full game you have a scrum so everyone comes yeah. in there's a small breath everyone takes a breath you go yeah, yeah and there's yeah. a knock-on and touch the referee needs to sprint because they just um, yeah they just touch it and keep going and you need to make that defensive line the other side it's the worst anytime a ball goes down oh my god it's making it's making me have yeah. nervous sweats now just thinking about it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a great, but it's a great game. Great game to watch, and it's a great game for. Uh, it's a great entry. Um, it's a great entry game for, for people to get into the full game with their kids. But but as you said, watching Australia, New Zealand, uh, and, and any of those top tier sides in their in their World Cups and stuff, the the stuff as you said yeah. that they can do is magical. It's frightening. That yeah, it is. And I don't know if you've recently seen, but a whole bunch of video clips have come out about Ryan Pappenhausen who plays for the Storm at the moment, and he when he was playing touch. He was just, as you can imagine, just as incredible, and the, and the stuff yeah. he was doing there that he got picked up. And we and our our combined love, Benji Marshall, also started out in touch and was an absolute gun in touch football. Yeah, and so it was sure a great Johnson sport as well. Yeah, footage of him out there, just yeah, tearing people up. Yeah, scary, scary players. So that's the future plans. Is there anything else we should know about the Bedford Tigers' future plans? Um, maybe uh, yeah, we, we've got in touch with Wheelchair Rugby League. Oh right, Wheelchair Rugby League, and we, we're actually. Again, we so the week that COVID hit last year, the week of, of lockdown last year, we we'd had um, our first wheelchair session booked in. You know, we, we had 
the manager of, of England wheelchair, Martin Coyd, was going to come up. He's going to bring a load of the chairs up. Uh, he was going to bring his team from down south, south of London. He was going to bring them up. We were going to have a big sort of joint training session, introduction session, see how it went. All that was booked. All that was ready to go. We got a, uh, another expat Australian called Cameron Allsop who played for the Tigers when I first started. He, he got back in touch and said, can I help out? Can I run the wheelchair stuff? I'm not going to say no if somebody wants to come and help. So yeah, yeah. He got involved and he was he was running that, organising the venues and communicating with players. And unfortunately, all that fell by the wayside. And even when restrictions started to get lifted last year, it was only outdoor sports, so we couldn't really pick up the wheelchair stuff because it was all indoors. Right. But you know, we're we're, we're hopeful that we'll when we're allowed to, we can we can resume that and, and get back involved in that and get playing some games and obviously there's the wheelchair world cup at the end of next year as well so potentially opportunities for anybody who stands out to to end up on a, an england pathway which would be incredible Oof. um okay matt well first of all how can people in england who, who are listening to this in and around england how can they get involved if they want to get involved just get in touch we've got facebook instagram twitter we've got a website that we're slowly starting to get back on top of that's been neglected for a couple of years find us on any of those get in touch uh, we'll always respond. We'll always reply and get back. Even if you just want to come and watch, find out when when the games are. We're a friendly club. We'll, we'll always get back to you. And um, yeah, so if you want to come and watch, if you want to get involved in coaching, if you want to get your kids involved, if you if you're wheelchair bound or if you, you're carrying an injury and you want to play wheelchair, we've got that offering. If you run a female rugby club, we want to yeah. we want to hear from you. We want to we want to get these clubs on on board as partners and and really start to kick on and continue the growth that we've made so far. Okay, and what if you're not in England and you want to support them? If you want to support Bedford, how would you like them to get in contact? Uh, yeah, same again. So we, we're looking at maybe setting up a membership program yes. in the future. It doesn't exist right now. We sort of, It is something that we talk about fairly regularly recently, is how we can engage people from around the world. Because we know that we've got supporters in, in Australia because we've had people contacting us. Hello. Plane shirts and stuff. Yeah. Hello, you still there? No, I'm. I'm just saying hello. I'm like your biggest fan. You got oh, you got fans in Australia. What do you think I'm doing on the phone? Love yeah, this yeah. club. Uh, sorry, brain fart there. Yeah. Man. I was, uh, I'm tired. Um, I'm so, your biggest Australian fan. You are. It's true. So yeah, we we've had people in Australia contact us about playing jerseys. Which which when that happened, I was like, this is this is just a small club in a small town in the south of England and we've got people around the world asking for, for jerseys. Yeah, man. It's crazy. So Social media is an incredible place like that, right? Because oh, even... It is. It, it, well, the, the, the world isn't the world anymore, is it? Yeah. It's like just a, a platform. Because the South Florida media, Speed's so. the same thing. I keep seeing them playing all this stuff on, uh, on Insta and I keep seeing their jerseys. I'm like, man, I'd love one of those jerseys. But they're just like yeah. you. Like they've been, I don't know if they've even really played a game. Like They're just getting around doing their best um, in that Florida league. And they would also have like yeah. random people message them going, hey, can, and they've probably only got 13, 17 jerseys, you know, just enough for the guys there. Yeah, yeah but they play in. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, someone's offering them 55 bucks plus shipping to send it over. To it's crazy. I love it. And so I'm glad that's yeah. happening to you well, too. We'll have, we'll have to get in touch with uh, Chasing Ruse and get the, get the kit stashed in there. There's a little plug for Chasing Ruse. That, that's a great little plug for them. <laughs> 10% off probably if you tell them that you uh, chase tigers in Bedford. So. Uh, nice. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be your biggest customer. I can't wait. Um, I mean, I I only follow Castleford Tigers because that's the closest yeah. I can get to being um, Bedford Tigers. And the only reason why I know about Castleford Tigers is because for a small period of time I thought that was you. 
So I've now become yeah. a big fan of theirs because <laughs> so I thought I was watching you. Became a fan of cats. Yeah. <laughs> so I now I've now got one of their jerseys coming my way because I've I've inevitably become a fan of them because all rugby league tigers are my tigers. So. Uh, so. Small things like that. But even T-shirts, anything that you can get with that kind of merch, you'll find someone in the world that wants it or you can wear it while you run. Or you Yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we're starting to, to, to realize that, you know, we, we can be as big or as, or as little as we want. Right. The social media presence is, is key to, to if you want to grow. It just, you know, maybe we need to get some youthful people who are a little bit more experienced with social media involved <laughs> uh, to run that stuff. But you know, it's it's fun. We keep little news stories ticking over, and you know, we recently ran a small piece on all of the the Man of Steel winners from the the, the club's annual awards every year. Right. We made a team of Man of Steel. Uh, yeah, it was quite interesting to see. We you know, a couple of players from Scotland, a couple of Australians in there, and obviously, you know, some of these players left the club fourteen years ago, fifteen years ago. Yeah. So when they see their name popping back up on the socials. They then suddenly get back involved, and then yes. their mates who they played with see they've commented, so they get back involved. Uh-huh. Uh, and you just you, you're just still reconnecting people wherever they are in the country mm. or around the world, just through us putting up little posts here and there. So. Sounds like a great community, mate. Like all good rugby league clubs are, all good rugby league competitions are always great communities. And it sounds like you've found one there or made one. You've made up, you've made yeah. that community a bunch of times. Uh, mate, look, it's it's not just me. Uh, I can't take credit. I can only do so much. There's people like, like I've mentioned, Andy and and Chris who and Phil who formed the club. Graham who does so much hard work behind the scenes. Phil who's still around. Richie's come back on board. We've got a guy called Dave Lowe who just will do anything that's needed. Like his his most recent thing was he was walking around at halftime spraying the the post pads for you know disinfecting. Oh, what a COVID, legend! The, the COVID match that we had, he he he'll literally just you know whatever job needs doing, he'll do it. Uh, we've got a guy called <laughs> so his his nickname is Guinness. Nobody really knows his real name. Um, <laughs> he's been around the club for forever and he's he's always chipped in he's he's played every single season the tigers has been around even in the first team second team but he's also chipped in with all the little programs that we run so the juniors he was like i'll, I'll run a team so he's come down he's got himself qualified as a coach and refereed and and coached those those games and stuff so i, I you know i'm almost certainly going to forget a hundred people but there's so many other people, so many other moving parts of the club that make it work. Mm. So, yeah, I can't take all the credit. I refuse to take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Rob. This has been great, mate. Are there any other questions or comments that you have before we finish? Uh, why are you guys not coming to the World Cup? Oh, well, at the you moment... Know, what's the reason? At the moment, there's a pandemic. It, it'll be uh, done. And so my country won't let... <laughs> <laughs> won't let anyone in or out. Well, I mean, I'm flying to at the moment. I've got um, I've got tickets to Magic Round in Queensland, and that's oh, about as exciting as I can yeah, get about yeah. travel. Um, at the moment, I would love I would love to go there. Cubs and I were planning to last year. We had heaps of plans about going there, and you know, um, and we're planning that with our families about you know get ready for us not to be here for a period of time. Um, but it looks like um, that's just not going to happen. But um, there's no way that Cubs and I aren't going to be somewhat involved or somewhat. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's the biggest thing that's going to happen in international football for four years so there's, or eight, you know, seven years while, while we wait for the next one. So the, the, this podcast and Carbs and I and the community around us, including yourself, Rob, are going to be all about it. I mean, considering you'll be there at games, we'll have to get you back on pre or post or during yeah, um, to, to give us an on-the-ground insight. Pre will probably be better. <laughs> Before the games would probably be better than after the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, 
But yeah, mate, we'll, we'll have to. I know we've talked in the past and sort of semi joked about it, but I'd, I'd love to come over to. I've got uh, my cousin Emma lives in, in Sydney, so I'd love to come over and visit her and her family and the little girls and then come down and catch a Tigers Dragons game. If we can work that into 2021, that'd be awesome. Sorry, 2022. I don't think 21's going to happen, is it? No, you've got too many. You've got too many. Got have to get to. But in 2022, the great thing about me, Roberto, is that I'll go to any football. So, no, no, I'll go to any NRL game. It doesn't have to be a Tigers one. Um, but I'll also go to, I'll find us a game somewhere. If yeah, it's, mate, if that'd it's be awesome. New South Wales Cup or, or you know, Bowman Rugby League, I'll find us a game to go to, that'd mate. Be great. Great. Well, I'm going to hold you to that now, Roberto. And 2022, on the 1st of January, you might get a uh, message from me saying, hey, big boy, what date? When yeah. can I see you? I'll pick you up from the Let's airport. Do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the yeah, chat mate, tonight. Uh, just just before we finish, uh, let's give a shout out to Mercho, who never gets a mention. <laughs> um, you know, the guy works tirelessly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and just sits there, and you know everybody glosses over the fact that he uh, he makes this happen. So yeah, shout out to Mercho. Yeah. And if you, I don't show. <laughs> I mean, uh, Mercho. Sorry, um, Uncle Carbs will be able to tell you the episode that Mercho started, but I, I'm sure that the sound quality is a lot better from. Those earlier ones, so he's doing a <laughs> great job. <laughs> and, and also, and also, um, there are heaps of times where Carbs and I will just stop and think. And the, or there are heaps of if if Mocha really grabbed all the outtakes, that that'd be an episode in itself of just Carbs and I trying to think out loud. Oh, really? oh my god, it's the worst. Uh, anyway, yes, there, Carbs, <laughs> Carbs, and and Mocha both got shout outs. So congratulations, both of you, both legends. Yeah, agreed. Thanks, Roberto. Agreed. Have a great rest of your night, mate. Oh, rest of your yeah, day. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Yeah. yeah, man, we've just started. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you enjoy the rest of your yeah, night. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Bye. Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by Matt Haynes Sport. We are mixed and produced by Paul Murchison. Our theme music was written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. The podcast is hosted by me, Michael Carboni, and The Biggest Tiger. Views are our own. Listener.